Chapter One of the Complete Works of Artemus Ward, Part Two War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Complete Works of Artemus Ward, Part Two War by Charles Farrar Brown. Chapter One The Show is Confiscated. You have perhaps wondered whereabouts I was for these many days gone and past. Uh, perchance you supposed I'd gone to the tomb of the Capulets, though I don't know what those is. It's a popular newspaper phrase. Listen to my tale, and be silent that ye may hear I've been among the secessors, earning my daily peck by my legitimate profession, and haven't had no time to wield my facile quill for the great comic paper if you'll allow me to quote from your truthful advertisement. My success was scaly, and I likewise had a narrow escape of my life. If what I've been through is southern hospitality, about which you've heard so much, then I feel bound to observe that they made too much of me. They was altogether too lavish with their attentions. I went among the secessors with no feelings of animosity, I went in my professional capacity. I was actuated by one of the most loftiest desires that can swell the human bosom, viz., to give the people their money's worth by showing them sagacious beasts and wax statutes, which I venture to say are unsurpassed by any other statutes anywheres. I will not call that man who says my statutes is humbug a liar and a horse-thief, but bring him before me, and I'll wither him with one of my scornful frowns. But to proceed with my tale. In my travels through the sunny south, I heard a heap of talk about secession and busting up the Union, but I didn't think it amounted to nothing. The politicians in all the villages was swearing that old Abe, sometimes called the Prairie Flower, shouldn't never be inaugurated. Well, they also made fools of themselves in various ways, but as they was used to that, I didn't let it worry me much, and the stars and stripes continued for to wave over my little tent. Moreover, I was a son of Malty, and a member of several other temperance societies, and my wife, she was a daughter of Malty, and I supposed those facts would secure me the influence and protection of all the first families. Alas, I was dispinted. State after state, she seshed, and it growed hotter and hotter for the undersigned. Things came to a climax in in small town in Alabama, where I was peremptorily ordered to haul down the stars and stripes. A deputation of red-faced men come up to the door of my tent where I was standing taking money. The afternoon exhibition had commenced, and my Italian organist was jerking his soul-stirring chimes. We air come, sir, said a military man in a cocked hat, upon a high and holy mission. The southern eagle is screaming throughout this sunny land, proudly and defiantly screaming, sir. What's the matter with him, says I? Don't his victuals sit well on his stomach? Well, that eagle, sir, will continue to scream all over this bright and tremendous land. Well, let him scream. If your eagle can amuse himself by screaming, let him went. The men annoyed me, for I was busy making change. We are come, sir, upon a matter of duty. Oh, you're right, Captain. 
"'It's every man's duty to visit my show,' said I. "'We air come, and that's the reason you are here,' says I, "'larfing one of my silvery larfs. "'I thought if he wanted to goke I'd give him some of my sparkling epigrams. "'Sir, you're insolent. "'The plain question is, will you haul down the star-spangled banner "'and heist the southern flag?' "'Nary hist,' those was my reply. Your waxworks and beasts is then confiscated, and you are arrested as a spy. Says I, my fragrant roses of the southern clime and bloomin' daffodils, what's the price of whiskey in this town, and how many cubic feet of that seductive fluid can you individually hold? They made no reply to that, but said my wax figures was confiscated. I asked them if that was generally the style among thieves in that country, to which they also made no reply, but said I was arrested as a spy, and must go to Montgomery in arms. Well, they was by this time joined by a large crowd of other southern patriots, who commenced hollering, hang the bald-headed abolitionist, and bust up his immoral exhibition. I was seized and tied to a stump, and the crowd went from my tent, that waterproof pavilion wherein instruction and amusement had been so muchly combined at fifteen cents per head and tore it all to pieces meanwhile dirty-faced boys was throwing stones and empty beer bottles at my massive brow and taking other improper liberties with my person resistance was useless for a variety of reasons as i readily observed the secessors confiscated my statutes by smashing them to atoms they then went to my money-box and confiscated all the loose change therein contained. They then went and busted my cages, letting all the animals loose, a small but healthy tiger among the rest. This tiger has an eccentric way of tearing dogs to pieces, and I always supposed from his general conduct that he'd have no hesitation in serving human beings in the same way if he could get at them. Excuse me if I was cruel. But I larfed boisterously when I see that tiger spring in among the people. Go it, my sweet cuss, I inwardly exclaimed. I forgive you for biting off my left thumb with all my heart. Rip him up like a bully tiger whose lair has been invaded by secessors. Well, I, I can't say for certain that the tiger seriously injured any of them, but he was seen a few days after, some miles distant, with a large and well-selected assortment of seats of trousers in his mouth, and as he looked as though he'd been having some violent exercise, I rather guess he did. You will therefore perceive that they didn't confiscate him very much. I was carried to Montgomery in irons and placed in Duran's vial. The jail was an ordinary edifice, but the table was liberally supplied with bacon and cabbage, well, this was a good variety, for when I didn't hanker after bacon, I could help myself to the cabbage. I had nobody to talk to, nor nothing to talk about, howsoever, and I was very lonely, especially on the first day. So when the jailer parsed my lonely cell, I put the few stray hairs on the back part of my head. I'm bald now, but there was a time when I wore sweet auburn ringlets into a disheveled estate as possible and rolling my eyes like a maniac, I cried, Stay, jailer, stay! I am not mad, but soon shall be if you don't bring me something to talk. He brung me some newspapers, for which I thanked him kindly. 
at last i got an interview with jefferson davis the president of the southern confederacy he was very polite and asked me to sit down and state my case i did it and then he laughed and said his gallant man had been a little too enthusiastic in confiscating my show yes says i they confiscated me too muchly i had some hosses confiscated in the same way once but the confiscators are now pounding stone in the state's prison in Indianapolis. Well, well, Mr. Ward, you are at liberty to depart. You are friendly to the South, I know. Even now we have many friends in the North who sympathize with us and won't mingle with this fight. J. Davis, there's your great mistake. Many of us was your sincere friends and thought certain parties among us was fussing about you and meddling with your concerns entirely too much. But, J. Davis, the minute you fire a gun at the piece of dry goods called the Star-Spangled Banner, the North gets up and rises en masse in defense of that banner. Not again you as individuals, not again the South even, but to save the flag. We should indeed be weak in the knees, unsound in the heart, milk-white in the liver, and soft in the head, if we stood quietly by and saw this glorious government smashed to pieces either by a furrin or an intestine foe. The gentle-hearted mother hates to take her naughty child across her knee, but she knows it is her duty to do it. So we shall hate to whip the naughty South, but we must do it if you don't make backtracks at once and we shall wallop you out of your boots. J. Davis, it is my decided opinion that the sunny South is making an egregious muttonhead of herself. Go on, sir, you're safe enough. You're too small powder for me, said the president of the Southern Confederacy. Wait till I go home and start out the Bladensville Mounted Hoss Cavalry. I'm captain of that corpse, I am. And J. Davis, beware. Jefferson D., I now leave you. Farewell, my gay sailor boy. Goodbye, my bold buccaneer, pirate of the deep blue sea. Adieu, adieu. My tour through the southern confederacy on my way home was thrilling enough for yeller covers. It will form the subject of my next. Betsy Jane and the progeny, air well. Yours respectively, A. Ward. End of chapter one.